I'm Robin Roberts in New York. Musician and actor Jesse Smollett sat down with me for his first interview since that night in Chicago. Smollett told me how he's doing now and responds to those who doubt his account. I'm pissed off. What is it that has you so angry? Is it the, the attackers? It's the is attackers, it but it's also the attacks. It's like, you know, at first it was a thing of like, listen, if I tell the truth, then that's it, because it's the truth. Mm -hmm. Then it became a thing of like, oh, how can you doubt that? Like, how do you, how do you not believe that? It's the truth. And then it became a thing of like, oh, it's not necessarily that you don't believe that this is the truth. You don't even want to see the truth. What happened that night, Jesse? When I landed in Chicago and Frank Gatson, who's like my uncle, and he's also my creative director, and he picked me up. And then we got back to the apartment. There was no food. And so I went out to Walgreens thinking that they were 24 hours and to have a smoke. <laughs> uh, Walgreens was closed. Um, so I called him up and I said, hey, I'm gonna run to Subway, which was across the street, and I'm gonna get a salad. Do you want anything? I went to the Subway and got the order. During that time, I texted my manager thinking that he was still in Australia because he was on an Australian tour with one of his other clients. Mm -hmm. And I said, yo, call me when you can. He called me immediately. And while he was on the phone, I uh, heard, as I was crossing the intersection, I heard Empire. And I don't answer to Empire. <laughs> my name ain't Empire. Uh, and I didn't answer. I kept walking and then I heard, Empire So I turned around and I said, the did you just say to me? I mean, I see the uh, attacker uh, masked and he said, this MAGA country punches me right in the face. So I punched his ass back. And then um, we started tussling, you know, it was very icy. And we ended up tussling by the stairs, uh, fighting, fighting, fighting. There was a second person involved who was kicking me in my back and uh, then it just stopped and they ran off and I saw where they ran and the phone was in my pocket but it had fallen out and it was sitting there and my manager was still on the phone. So I picked up the phone and I said, Brandon, and he's like, what's going on? And I said, I was just jumped. And I, then I looked down and I see that there's a rope around my neck, which I hadn't you Obviously, hadn't noticed that, it before? No, you didn't because see? it was so fast. You know what I'm saying? It was so fast. How long did this all It felt take like minutes, but it probably was like 30 seconds, honestly. I can't tell you, honestly. Um, I noticed the rope around my neck, and I started screaming. And I said, there's a rope around my neck. Did you get any kind of description of the attack? I gave a body description, and I, you know, because I saw this, but and you know, right here or whatever, but I didn't see, I can't tell you what color their eyes were. I can't tell you. And I did not see anything except the second person I saw running away. And the first person, yeah, I saw, saw his stature. I gave the description as best as I could. You have to understand also that it's Chicago in winter. People can wear ski masks and nobody's gonna question that. He said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations. I think she's a liar and I think she deserves mockery. 
It was something about when I put this hat on, it made me feel like Superman. Black lives are very important. White lives are very important. And to me, all lives are very important. Very, very important. Damn! This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, hey, Profane Faith fans. How y'all doing out there? Another week, another time. Man, oh man, oh man. So much to cover. I don't even know what to say, y'all. <laughs> so this week's episode, I'm actually going to hop right in because the conversation I'm about to have with these two individuals is... Um, amazing. This week's episode, I actually had somebody else scheduled. It was recorded, almost 90% edited in the whole nine. And then this whole mess this week started coming out about brother Jesse Smollett. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get on. I gotta have a conversation about this on profane faith. Um, cause there's a lot of stuff surrounding this and I think it's important. <sighs> Well, I, I think it's important for a lot of different things, but there's, here's the thing. I ain't going to front. I was, I'm, st- I was, st- there's still part of me that wants to, that's pulling for it. Like, man, this has got to be true. This has got to be real. And it's another part of me, like, man, the more I hold on to that, the more, you know, holes are just get put into this thing. And so one, I'm, you know, I, I, I told my wife, you know, was it last, well, last week when some of this stuff started coming out and they were like, you know, it could be a fake. He could have might've lied. Um, I was like, Oh Lord, I hope that is not the case. Um, and of course with any situation like this, um, particularly with the current socio-political situation that we all find ourselves in, I didn't want it to be that way. And maybe that was the selfish part of me just because I didn't want to have to hear the noise from either right-wing media, uh, from centrists, from those who the all live matters people, you know, from moderates, both white, black, Latinx, right. The, the recon- racial reconciliation folks. Right. You know, it's like, I didn't, I just, I just didn't have to feel like it and feel like dealing with, with that. Um, at the same time, I didn't want him to be beat and beat up. I mean, I don't want anybody to be, be beat up. So this was, yeah, it, it was a lot. So I was like, you know what? Let me, let me just go and get, uh, some folks who I know will break this down and uh, we can have a good conversation, um, around this. And so that's, that is what I did. And, uh, this conversation is amazing. Um, uh, and again, I don't want to take away from it because, uh, they both go in, and I think the the issues surrounding Jesse are big. Um, there's a lot there to unpack, uh, particularly with him being black, gay, uh, celebrity, uh, claiming what he claimed had happened. Um, so, you know, and again, you know, somebody who's grown up knowing that police units, especially large police forces, lie. Uh, you know, they're still like, you know, it's like, why did it take two years for the videotape to, you know, to come out of of um, Laquan McDonald? Right. All those things. And like I said, it just day by day passes. It's like, man, it's OK. This brother, you know, he's he's uh, um, it may it may be it may be the truth. I mean, he might he might he might have just lied. You know, and I know I made some comments previously, a couple episodes back, talking about Jesse Smollett and toxic theology and all that. I still stand by those because the reality of it is that these attacks happen. 
Okay, these things are still going on. So just because he's lying, we can't overshadow the crap of of what is happening to black folk, what is happening to black LGBTQ folk, what is happening to folks who don't fit whatever stereotype or whatever image those in power, whether it be white people in power, whether it be CEOs in power, whether it be the president of a university, whoever's in power, whatever they don't feel like is is the normative. Right. It's it. Th these things are happening. And. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I, well, I think it's important to talk about it, but I also think it's important to unpack the broader, the broader issues that are being raised here in regards to, um, race, religion, uh, sexuality, um, how we, how we believe folks, do we believe folks? Do we even believe them? Right. You know, do we even believe that, you know, somebody could have been beat, somebody could have been, uh, you know, uh, uh, held up and, and, you know, because we've known for a long time that, that black voice isn't believed. Right. And it is, there, there, there's still folks who believe that, you know, Mike Brown should have been killed and that Trayvon Martin was a thug and that, you know, these folks are lying. So why, wh you know, why, why should we keep believing them? They're just race baiting. Oh man, all kind of crazy stuff. So let me hop to it. Let's get to it. Cause you go enjoy this conversation. Trust me. So my two guests this week, um, one, you know, very well, uh, she was in season two, episode 18 seminary while back black Dominique Robinson Coleman. Um, if you haven't heard that, uh, podcast, I'll put the link in the show notes on whitehodgepodcast.com. She's been on before. She's an amazing mind. Uh, another young brother, uh, that is, well, I, I, I think, I, I don't know how old Sean is. He say, he say, yo, but but brother Sean Watkins, uh, he's been around, uh, solid brother, you know, finished up seminary, all that good stuff. But, uh, he has a great voice and a great mind. And so I wanted to bring both Sean and Dom on to talk about this and they do not disappoint <laughs> one bit. Um, and I wanted to get a, a perspective. I wanted to get a black perspective. I wanted to get a woman's perspective. I wanted to get somebody who identifies as queer, uh, to talk about this because there are so many layers. You talk about intersectionality. There's so many layers. And I wanted to get people who also were familiar with faith and, and theology and Christian theology, profane faith. Y'all we doing it up. So Sean and Dom and I, we uh, we had a, ch a chance to just talk and do this stuff in real time. I thank you. I thank them both uh, for making the time. This was so last minute. I literally texted them last night and was like, yo, we need to get on. And they were like, yup. So here it is. Check this conversation out, y'all. And let's uh, let's keep talking. Let's keep processing this stuff. Cool with me. All right. Well, Sean and Dom, thank you so much for coming on Profane Faith here. Um, it's such short notice, but thank you. Great, great to have you on. It's thank great to be here, man. Me. Yeah, I've been listening for a while, so it's it's fun to be on here and be having a conversation with y'all. That's it, man. I've been wanting to get you on, Sean. I know you long-time listener, first-time caller, so this is good. Um, <laughs> and, Dom, you've been on before with Toxic uh, Fuller and Toxic Seminary While Black. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. So this is good. Well, this whole conversation stems around the issues with Jesse Smollett and the the interesting. I'll start there. Things that are going on with him right now. Can either one of you share a little bit about your initial thoughts on this and some of the conversations you've had around Jesse? And then we'll back ourselves into the uh, to the juicy stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, do you want to go first, Sean? Oh, Dom. You know, I grew up in the Confederacy. Ladies first, always. I know, you know that, I know. So. 
Okay, so all right, all right, I'll go first. Um, I'll preface this by saying every all of my opinions and thoughts are specifically inherently mine, right? It's all mine. Yes. Um, and also saying that I am a black queer woman that is a Christian, and I'm from Philly. All those things, my entire identity plays a part in how I looked at and, and listen to this story being told. Amen. So when I first heard the story, of course I had to get clarifying information from people I know from Chicago, who's been to Chicago, to ask some questions about how downtown is, right? Because 2 a.m. in the morning, you're at Subway, he's at Subway, and, you know, he gets attacked by some MAGA supporters, Trump supporters, white supremacists. And so I'm like, okay, what I know about Chicago is, you know, blackity black, black, black. And so my friend had to tell me, you know, downtown Chicago, not so much. It is, but not really. You know, that it, it, it could be something like that could have happened downtown Chicago. So when I read the initial reports and the story on Essence and, you know, different uh, news outlets, I remember posting something on Facebook saying, you know, and being really sincere about it, like our homophobia, homophobia as a country and as a people needs to be dealt with. Hmm. Um, and we have to rise to the occasion when it unfortunately and it's pre- presented itself like this. We have to rise to the occasion and work on doing the inner work in ourselves and in the community to actually make sure that these incidents will not happen again. Um, but as details started to come out and I told you I'm from Philly, these all started to come out. I said, some don't sound right. This sounds shaky from jump. That's that was my initial reaction. This kind of sounds shaky, I think. And I remember calling my friend, who's also a queer black woman, mm-hmm. and you know her trying, her saying, "No, Dom, you got to listen to the whole story, listen to facts, pay attention to detail." I said, "It sounds like he put twenty on ten. This was before any of the people they they found people that assaulted him. Any of that. We're still going with the narrative that these were white supremacists downtown hunting Jesse." I said, "It sounds like he put twenty on ten. And if he, in the situation that happened, it still was violent. And she had to remind me of that. Regardless of how, you know, the situation, people can minimize it, it still is inherently violent for someone to attack you because of your race and your sexual identity. So I said, okay, I'll step back. It was inherently violent. It is violent. But I feel like he may have put a little bit too much on the situation. His manager then, you know, took it. And then the story just picked up speed and it got out of control. Now, sitting here now talking to you after all these stories come out, all these uh, articles come out after his interview with Robin Roberts, after his arrest um, and leaving, you know, the uh, court or whatever yesterday. I'm still at a place of I think he put 20 on 10, but this has become bizarre because he is holding fast to I did not lie. I told 100 percent of the truth. I told 100 percent of what happened. But there's little sketchy things going on that would make me feel like something did happen, but it may not have been exactly what we're seeing now. Now it's getting turned from, it was white supremacists that attacked them to two black men <laughs> that, uh, that he paid to attack him. They only, he only paid them $3,500. So it's, it's becoming more and more bizarre. And then outside voices are adding in the new anti-lynching bill that was passed by Kamala and Corey, uh, mm. Cory Booker, who are two presidential candidates or uh, presidential candidates in the upcoming election in 2020. So this it's, it's becoming an animal and a monster that I don't think he himself, Jesse even thought it would be. Um, and me as a queer black woman, I've had to step away. Um, because Number one, there are a lot of people that are using their own internalized homophobia to make this this a platform 
for them saying that black or queer people don't experience any type of uh, harm or discrimination. Um, there are people that are in that right, white, uh, right wing people who some, some are white supremacists. I won't use a blanket statement and say all of them are white supremacists, um, but they're using it for their own agenda against uh, black folks um, and against people that are liberal. And then there's just the regular, you know, white folks that are trying to insert themselves in the conversation and have an opinion. And like I said, on my, on my Facebook, this is my brother as a person that's a part of the community. This is my brother. You can't talk about my brother. Hmm. Like that, that this is not a conversation for you. And sometimes I even want to tell black people that are cisgendered, that do not identify as queer, that are not in, in the LGBTQ community to say, Hey, Watch, be careful. You're black, but be careful because you're not in, you're not completely in this community as well. So, you know, be careful and considerate of how you are speaking about my brother. So that's how I've, you know, gone with my approach and even getting all the information that I have that uh, um, news outlets are giving. It just, it feels bizarre. It feels like a situation that just turned into a monster, but that's still my brother. Yeah, and yeah. I want to protect my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dom, that's real. I appreciate that. Uh, that's been yeah. I, that's spot on. I can't disagree or affirm or just be like, "Yep, that's your truth." And I agree with you one hundred percent. I think for myself, uh, Sean, I'm a straight heterosexual cisgendered male. Uh, um, so that's kind of the I think the the way in which I come into the conversation. I'm from Houston. I grew up. Uh, most of my life in third ward in Houston and then moved to Austin and have been here since I graduated from college. And so I think for me to listen to what's going on with Jesse, um, I think one, trying to look at it, I think from the, the meta narrative of just what's the current climate that we've got in the United States right now, since Obama left office and Trump came in, all of us are just in a perpetual state of agitation. Like all the time we are concerned, we're angry. We look at what's happening in the country and really around the world. We've seen the resurgence of white supremacy and not just that, but we've seen an inability, I think, to remain objective and just say, what are the facts of the case before we jump in emotionally and kind of process stuff. Racial tensions are high, um, I think, in terms of relationships between uh, just the cisgender community, LGBTQ community. Those are always um, just have been tense and sometimes really toxic. And then politically, we're just divided as a nation, really at levels that kind of resemble the Civil War and the Civil Rights Movement. So, uh, and on top of it, too, I think what we've seen in society kind of even leading into this is that we have seen without question the reaffirmation that depending on what your ethnicity is, what your gender is, and what your class is, some people get a pass and some people don't. The president of the United States, sexual predator without question. He's done it his entire life. He has lied the entire time. And now he is the commander in chief. Uh, R. Kelly is lost everything and probably about to go to jail here in the next couple of weeks. Bill Cosby is sitting in jail right now. It took them a while to come after these fools, but again, there are consequences for it as a person of color, whereas if you're white and male, you can do these things and become president. So we've seen, depending on who you are, who gets a pass and who doesn't. And so in the midst of all of that, now you've got Jesse stepping into the situation. Um, and I think, or the situation with him. And when I first heard it, you know, I was shocked and I was sad. I think anytime anybody gets attacked in any way, shape or form, it's absolutely horrible. And I'm just, I don't, yeah, violence against another person is just flat out wrong. I think when you hear the details of like them yelling out, this is a MAGA country and this noose around his neck, uh, that gives a visceral response for all of us, especially those of us who grew up in the South and 
uh, have been to the lynching memorial or have had family members who've told stories of people being lynched. Like, there's just that stuff is traumatizing. A bunch of us have got PTSD from the stuff that's going on in our past and in our lives. And so, to hear something like that, those words are just triggering for us. Um, but I think I was the thing that shocked me the most, as horrible as his assault was, and I think as horrible as the words that were spoken, at least on day one and day two of the story, I think I was blown away by the universal response, the overwhelming support from the black and LGBTQ community. Uh, like the black church and black people uh, are a pendulum. They either are very welcoming of LGBTQ folks or they look at them like they got the plague. They just pushing them out of their churches and out of their communities. But with Jesse, it was different. Um, I think the conversations that I heard from people, the overwhelming support that I saw from celebrities, pastors, people on social media, they were, I mean, they were rallying behind this brother. It was a galvanizing moment, I think, for our community. And while we hated that it happened, it was one of those things. It was a callus that was needed, I think, to to bring us together. And so, um, you know, I was kind of hopeful. I'm like, all right, now we can have a dialogue. We can have a discussion. If we can maintain this momentum and keep working together towards things, if we can actually even do what the LGBT community is suggesting, which is talk about these things from the perspective that they are social justice issues and we can unify everybody at the margins of society. Not only can we come to Jesse's aid, but we can actually see some stuff change in our country politically, socially, economically, and all the lees. Um, and then this foolishness kept talking. They just, these articles kept coming out. And uh, my dad is a criminal attorney. And so, to be blunt, um, uh, Dom, you saw my 20s and 10s. For me, I am five foot nine. I weigh 156 pounds and I am high yellow. <laughs> like, if somebody grabs my wrist like too hard, I'll have a bruise for a couple of days. Jesse is not big, he is light and bright. And when they said this assault happened, that it was two dudes, they beat him up and poured a noose, I mean, poured bleach on him and put a noose around his neck, and this brother had to go to the hospital. You know, I've got that that almost morbid sense of curiosity. I'm like, let me see this, brother. Let me see the bruises. Um, when Chris Brown and Rihanna, that mess happened, there was no question. Like, that was painful. Like, we saw those photos, and he was done. He was done in the community. And so... For Jesse, like, I think to see these things, he had a scratch under his eye. And I'm like, either this brother does, like, you know, Taekwondo or, like, kickboxing or something like that and ain't told nobody. Or he just ran away. Like, what's going on? So there was a lack of physical evidence on him. That was kind of my first warning sign that something's not right. But, again, I tried to suspend my uh, my my opinion about that. Let's, like, let's just be objective until the facts came out, come out. But then the evidence, kind of what the police have said the last few days, is this overwhelming mountain of evidence in terms of them having phone calls uh, between him and these two brothers, these two Nigerian brothers, before the assault happens, right after the assault happens, and even when these brothers are overseas in Nigeria, like he's in contact with them. I think the fact that they have text messages, the fact that he wrote checks to them to be able to pay for these things, like he's got a paper trail. You you are not from the streets. Like you don't leave a paper trail if you're going to do something stupid. And he's got a paper trail. So. I think uh, on top of like the lack of physical physical evidence for him, the le the overwhelming amount of digital evidence that um, and the paper trail that uh, convicts him or challenges his story. There's also the reality that there is a history of not being able to trust the Chicago Police Department. They have been all over the news the last few decades. Uh, and I love what Trevor Noah said on the uh, in between the scenes for uh, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. He said, you know, everything the Chicago police have done, they've lied about themselves and they've covered themselves up. They have no reason to lie right now. Uh, either way it goes, they have to arrest somebody black. So they either got to arrest these two Nigerian <laughs> brothers or they got to arrest Jesse. So Chicago is doing fine right now. Um, but I think that's the 
that's the part that's concerning for me. It's just what exactly is going on. I do think the way in which I agree with you, Dom, the way in which the information has been disseminated has been piss poor. It reminds me of Michael Brown and how this brother gets killed. The, the neighborhood is saying, hands up, don't shoot. And when the police department in Ferguson finally comes forward, they're like, yeah, but he stole something. That has nothing to do with this crime that's been committed and the loss of this brother's life. And I feel like that's kind of similar to what happened with Jesse. The way in which we've gotten incomplete answers, we've got half answers, we've gotten um, these, this, a random collection of information that has not been presented, I think, in an ethical and a moral and an official capacity so that we can be objective and have the facts of the case and then also have some type of faith in Chicago's police department. It's just a maze of mess from beginning to end. Um, last thing I'll say is this, and I'll shut up. It's either one or two things. Either this brother is innocent or he's guilty. Like, there's no other way around it. Either he's been assaulted, and if so, he gets to sue Chicago, and they put his picture up in the Chicago Police Department for the rest of time. Or if this brother is guilty, like, he's got to move to Wakanda because he's not going to be safe anywhere on Earth. Like, there's no place where he can go uh, because, again, he's unified the black and the LGBT community. He's unified the margins. And if he has lied, and if a person of color who is gay has chosen to uh, lie about this and to take some of the most painful elements of our history and of who we are right now as a society for the purposes of like getting paid more money, uh, like he's done socially, culturally, professionally, like he's done. So, yeah. Man, this is, uh, man, there's so, so many questions on this. I mean, because I was going to ask about, you know, I've, I've heard that in several places that, you know, the black and black LGBTQ community, you know, has come together in ways that we haven't ever seen and everything. Uh, how do y'all think, what do you what do you think the damage, the effects, the long-term effects? I mean, within a, in a MAGA era, because um, the reality of it is, right, that these things are happening. Um, but now it's like, you know, I'm seeing memes across the Internet with like, um, you know, Dr. Ford on them. And uh, mm -hmm, yeah. it's got a whole list of people on there that they're all liars. They all made these things up and stuff. What do, what do you think yeah. is like some of the long term damage? Dom, let me start with you again. Um, I don't. So I'll be someone to say that long term, it's not going to have the ramifications that we believe it will or that people have been putting out that it will. Okay. Um, and the reason why I believe it, believe that is because just going off data. So I looked at an article just to make sure that I was, you know, not speaking amiss, but actually had some facts to back me up, found it on vice. And basically out of the, in 2017 and 2016, there were, thousands of hate crimes reported in 2017 alone 7175 2016 6121 hate crimes were reported between those two years only 0.3% were viewed or determined to be false mm -hmm. so the likelihood of people actually making false claims about discrimination whether it's LG based on LGBT LGBTQ or uh, race or a conflation of both I don't think it will have the ramifications that we believe it will because people will still report. People will still say that, you know, this has happened to me and they'll be right. Mm -hmm. And it will come out that it's truth. Now, concerning optics, I don't optically. Yes. If anyone probably comes out within the next probably six months to seven months and says something, it will be heavily scrutinized. Um, especially if they are black LGBTQ, if they are black and a woman, I believe it will be scrutinized. Um, as far as white women, I mean, I don't think anything. I think the Me Too, Me Too movement for white women will be safe. I don't <laughs> think anything will stop um, sympathy for white women and white tears. 
But when it comes to women of color, when it comes to specifically black women, LGBTQ people of color, um, I think our voices will be scrutinized a little bit more heavily probably for the next six to seven months. And well, when it comes to larger, um, larger issues like a Jesse or someone well known. But as far as reporting in our daily communities, I don't think it will be a, a determining factor. Well, you've seen what happened to Jesse. I don't know if I believe this person, this obscure yeah. person that I have no idea about. Um, so I don't know if it will. I don't think it will have that those damaging effects. But before I, you know, relinquish to Sean, I just want to push back on one thing Sean said about um, Jesse will not be safe anywhere if it comes out that he lied. Yeah. Jesse will always be safe because, again, he's my brother. He's yeah. our brother. And the community will reconcile and restore Jesse once Jesse repents. And the community will do That's that real. not through activists and organizers who are yelling at the top of their lungs or people on Twitter that have millions of followers, but everyday gay people, trans people, bisexual people, I happen to be one of the bisexual people, we will rally around Jesse and people like Jesse and he'll be welcomed back into the community. It yeah. won't be this thing where he wears, maybe in Hollywood, he'll wear a red scarlet letter, but to us, yeah. that's our brother. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's real, Dom. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, too. Yeah. When I say he's not welcome anywhere, I mean that sarcastically. I don't mean like... No, no, no. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Especially if, like... I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off. Patriarchy is real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Stop, Sean. Stop. Y'all too much. Stop, <laughs> Sean. Uh, all right. Apologize. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. Like, I, if he repents, and I think that's the... I think we can all point to it too. Like, uh, like if there are, we've all seen instances where somebody's been caught in a lie or caught in a mm -hmm. trap, and there have been like we can probably count on one hand where somebody's been like, "You got me. I lied. I was wrong. Right. I'm right. sorry." Right. Like that's really all it takes, especially for Black people. Mm -hmm. especially, if you can just own that thing, I messed up, and you're done. We're good. We're straight. But you're absolutely right. I think it will take repentance for him because there's there's a growing storm around this thing, and if yeah. it is. If it is true that like he is lying, the only way I think that he can come back in is to is to apologize and to own that thing. So you're absolutely right. So I, I appreciate you saying that, Dom. Yes, please, sweet Jesus. Um, <laughs> I think in terms of consequences, I agree with Dom completely. I don't think it's not. I don't think it's going to last at all. I think we're in this new season of being inundated with honesty uh, in our country, especially around assault. Um, I ain't making this about Trump, but he is my point of reference, I think, because in my opinion, I think he's a catalyst for a lot of these things that are happening. Uh, when he got ele elected, uh, one of my friends posted on uh, social media, uh, when God gets ready to judge nations, he gives them wicked kings. Um, and so I think you've got this, this season, this climate that's happening in the country right now where people across the board, whether they are Christian or not, whether they in any community, but we're like, there are just certain things that we know what it's like to be human and attribute with human dignity. And because it hasn't been happening, the voices are louder and they're stronger. And so I think in terms of Jesse, I think because we're inundated with this honesty around things, uh, I don't think it's going to last for very long. I think we've seen more victims who are coming out and being believed. There's no way in the world that you would have had the Me Too movement or the takedown of being these politicians and these entertainers, uh, these directors. Uh, and it's coming for the church, too. Everybody from your Harvey yeah, Weinstein. Yeah to your Bill Hybels, to your Bill Cosby's, to everybody knew R. Kelly was doing all that stuff. You can listen to the songs until he was a pedophile. Like, but nobody mm -hmm, believed mm -hmm. things up until I think the era of Trump. And we're like, if this fool gets to get in, nobody gets a pass. So 
I think we're seeing a time in which women are being believed, victims are being believed. I think the LGBTQ uh, plus community, they have a voice um, that has emerged these 19 years into the 21st century that is seminal. And I think that is absolutely incredible. So I think we're okay there. The other part of it is, too, is... um. Because of our current political crisis, I mean, tensions right now, there's like a crisis every 10 minutes. And so I, I would not be surprised, like, if in two months, like, we're not even talking about this anymore. That sounds horrible, and I don't want to make it reductionistic, but there is something like every freaking 10 minutes that happens in this country. I would not be surprised if by April there have been 72 other crises or events that have happened. We don't even have time to think about it or talk about it anymore. Um, so I think short-term consequences is piss poor and it's a hot, horrible mess. And I think it sucks. I think long-term consequences, I don't see this being as damaging uh, to the community. Um, because I hate to say it, uh, this happens every day, like Dom said. And at some point when it does happen again, my hope is that in the same way that the black and LGBT community have rallied behind Jesse for something that was not true, I hope that even more we would rally behind someone uh, when it is true. So, Man, that's deep. Uh, that's deep. That's deep. Um, well, because I mean, I mean, I'm reading the headlines and, it, you know, it looks like, you know, the studio has let him go and he's going to be like, I guess, written off the last two episodes or. Oh, wow. And whatnot. Yep. And so, like, that's that's happening. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. I said their brother was going to die during the commercial break. So he's going to get in the car. <laughs> right. And right. never come, come back. back. That's right. Lips went off the cliff, y'all. We don't know what happened. Let's go. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Lucius done did it. He did it. Scott, right. Scott right. Jesse. Jesus. Just to walk back in and wash the blood off in the kitchen. You know? It's Ooh, just, Lord he's Jesus. coming back. Oh, oh that is funny. <laughs> that is funny. Well, let me read y'all a statement. This is uh, this is one I found on Instagram, uh, and I was like, I saw it this morning. I was like, well, let me save this and, and read this and see what see what y'all think. Um, so it started off like this: I said, if we learn anything from Jesse Smollett's situation, with the Jesse Smollett situation, it's that uh, if someone makes an accusation against a person, due process is needed before. We attack slash punish the accused, even if you can relate to the situation. We see yet again that people lie for a variety of reasons. And had the cops not got the break they got, he would have gotten away with it. There's no harm in seeking proof slash evidence before moving forward. If there's none to be found, then you go from there. But this is just nonsense of hashtag just believe women or, or the, the this is this is nonsense of the, the just believe women hashtag is unjust and unwise. Who wrote that foolishness? Woo, Jesus. <laughs> Who wrote that? <laughs> Woo, Jesus. It was, my you know, wig is in the back of my car now. My God. <laughs> <laughs> my wig is in my uh, trunk. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Come on, Doctor Dan. Who wrote it? What book are they from? What background? Please, please tell us. Who they people? This is uh, it was it was another post from another another friend, but it was this guy named David Dayday Hayes. It was on his another brother. He's he's, he's you know he look he look at that sounds like something a brother would say. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It does. It sounds like something a cisgendered heterosexual that lives in a homogenous community man sorry black man would say i i'm i'm not hey. coming at brothers i love black men i want to marry a black man i have a black father like th that look i love black men but that is something a black man because i know black men would say 
That's something that, that some of us would say. I, I, I check all them boxes, and I wouldn't say no I'm sorry. Like also, I, okay, Sean, some, not all. Not <laughs> yeah. all men. Some, some. Because Dana is clearly stupid saying some oh mess like gosh. that. Oh, my gosh. I'm so See, sorry. You know, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. No wonder you make D's in school, Day Day. What is that kind of foolishness? No. Uh, absolutely and not. And I apologize if I overreacted, but... Just and when uh, you said day day, I knew it. I'm like, I know, I, I, my cousin is day day. My yeah. cousin is day day. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've heard day day see it in front of us. Yeah, we know it. Right. Yeah. And I've heard that at a barbecue. I've heard that. I've heard the same same type of language at a barbecue, at a cookout, at a you know a mixer of some unfortunately black man puffing yeah. his chest out saying something like this. So it's not that it's not normal, right? Yeah. yeah. To say it's not that it's not normal to say it, but to actually put it out there and publicize it. Yeah. And I guess while I'm talking about it, I might as well just go first. Um, <laughs> I just Come on, think, sit over here. Oh my gosh, I I just think that that was. Can I cuss? This is profane faith. Profane faith. That was the biggest crock of bullshit that I have. <laughs> I have heard in a long time, right? I, I just, I, 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 I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it because number one, as a black man, and black men are over policed. Black men are villainized daily by the police daily, daily. by white society, by white America daily. You can't even mm -hmm. cross the street without Man. a white woman running to the other side of the street. So Clinch you want. Purse. Right. So now you want, before you even tell your story about a white woman, because let's put it in the context of rape. I'm sorry, let's go there, because he mentioned believe women. Let's put in the context of rape. Say a woman, and this, and let's be clear, ladies, this does not happen. happen. I'm just going to speak for women. This does not happen as often as the media says it does, but people harp on it because of the Me Too movement. Hmm. Let's say you are lied on, and someone says you raped them. Should we let due process happen first, and you go to jail? And you get fingerprinted and booked and let due process happen first and not even let's wait till all the facts come out while you sit and rot in jail, can't post bail. Will we take the same approach with you as a black man or does it is it just reserved for black women, all women and LGBTQ folk? Right. So that that is real misogynistic, number one. Um, and it's real patriarchal, number one, to say that, to use that privilege as a man, but as a black man you would want a whole different execution of due process. Mm -hmm. So that's just number one. Number two, <laughs> I think, God, I'm, 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 I, that really made me angry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that's why two, I wanted to you, read it. <laughs> yeah, and just, I can't you even dumb. get two. Yeah, yeah you're no, just no. dumb. You're just dumb. <laughs> you're just dumb. And that's what it just feels like. You just want to be loud and wrong and opinionated. And a lot of people because of, you know, different movements that have come out of uh, marginalized communities. So uh, Black Lives Matter, um, uh, uh, Me Too, and different movements of the sort, people are saying, you know, they have their pushbacks. And so it's let's wait, let's wait and get all the facts. Did we wait and get all the facts when Trayvon was killed? Did we wait and get all the facts when Mike Brown was killed? Did we No, because we know the history of police departments. We know the history of blacks and how we are treated in this country. We know the history of lynching. So when you tell, well, oh, well, let's wait and get all the facts. So if that does, would somebody, when a white person says that about a black person that is murdered, is that your first go-to? And let's be clear, not a black person, because when they're black and LGBTQ or black and a woman, 
it's all it is wait and get all the facts. That's why I say her name was birthed. So is it wait and get all the facts when a black child, a black male child, or a black man is laying in the street? It's not that. It's we need to rush and we need to protect, we need to cover, we need to mobilize and galvanize behind this person who is now deceased. Yeah. So it's not, again, it's not fair. <laughs> it's just, it's not fair, and it pisses me off. I'm done, Sean. Go ahead. <laughs> Come on, Sean. I ain't following that. I ain't following that at all. Uh, you know, Day-Day, Day-Day is colonized and don't know it. And that's what makes me sad, I think. Um, I, I 150% agree with everything Dom just said. Day-Day colonized and he don't know it. I think... Um, Privilege in this country has its benefits, and we know what it's like. I think it's people of color. We know what it's like to witness white privilege, especially white male patriarchal privilege, like without question. Again, Donald Trump, he's not released his taxes. He didn't stole money from everybody. He's violated women in all types of ways. He's cheated on every wife he's had, and he's in the highest office in the land. Barack Obama got scrutinized for wearing a tan suit at the press conference. I mean, he had to be the best of the best in all categories. Trump had to be white and male. And we see the consequences of that now. And so I think for Day Day to say some stupid stuff like this uh, in terms of like due process and not believing victims. And this is just like supporting this this whole like story around women and the false narrative of sexual assault is just stupid. And that's just a benefit of being uh, a man in a patriarchal society. What that also means is he does not have the women who are around him. They don't feel safe around him because they are not being honest with him. There's, there's Talk no about it. There's Talk no about it, Sean. No world. If his wife has not been assaulted, his daughters have been assaulted. What's that number? It's like seven in ten women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. We're not assaulted, violated in some type of way, either groped. They'll hear something about, they'll hear something said about them in a very sexually offensive way or uh, or raped. And so seven out of 10 is like a huge statistic. I think that's the one that just came out from the data polls a couple of weeks ago. One in and four so, for black girls. One in four. One in four for black girls. And so for Day Day, if that's 25% of the women he's going to interact with, if he's around black women at all, that means there's no way in the world they're being honest with him. Because if they were honest with him, if he told the stories from his mother, his grandmother, his wife, his daughters, his children, his aunts, uh, his co-workers, his cousins, there's no way in the world he would say some foolishness like that. So one, he's colonized and don't know it. He's a benefit of, of privilege and he doesn't know it. And also, he's educated out of his context. If, it, if the brother's educated, whatever he is reading, whether he's reading CNN or Fox News, you do not understand the history of due process in the United States, just like Dom just said. The history of due process in the United States towards people of color, especially black people, is not just. We are just coming off of a situation where we separated these babies from their from parents at the border because they brown. That's the only reason why we did that. And that's not, quote unquote, what it means to be American. Yes, it is. And Day Day does not recognize that. Like, due process has not been fair to people of color at all. There is a history of white mobs going into prisons and taking prisoners out and lynching them around the Confederate South. We've still got stuff that don't make sense. Sandra Bland, in terms of what happens with law enforcement and due process. We still have Ferguson reports that come back saying, yep, the police was racist, they over-policed the black communities, and this brother did nothing wrong when he shot and killed Michael Brown. So you see all these contradictions that happen with our law enforcement, with our legal system. Yeah, there are pockets where things are going well, but one unjust case is too many. We can't have one bad pilot 
So I don't get why we need to have a couple of unjust cops or a couple of unjust judges. And so the fact that he would say, let's just wait and trust due process means he doesn't understand what's going on, I think, in society. Now, that's the burden of what it means to be black in America. We can't rush. We have to wait for all the evidence to come out. But in the midst of waiting for all the evidence to come out, that still does not mean that we need to have a ubiquitous trust of law enforcement because there is not, we have more of a history that says they cannot be trusted than a history that says that they can't be trusted. Uh, and the last thing I'd say too, because Dom stole all my little thunder, is I think, why are we so quick to not believe people who have been assaulted? Like that's that's a question I think we have to be able to wrestle with. When someone says they are a victim of assault, why are we so quick to shrug our shoulders or to say, nah, I don't believe her at all? Why can't we believe victims? Why can't we believe the assaulted? Why can't we believe the disinherited? And again, that's a consequence of being colonized. It robs people of the dignity that God has given them. It robs them of what it means to be a human being. When someone looks you in their face with tears in their eyes, whether they are lying or not, and says they have been assaulted, and we look at them and say, I do not believe you. Uh, that's that's a problem that we have as Americans, not even as African Americans, as black people. That's a problem that we have as a nation that I think has got to be reconciled, because if we don't deal with that moral issue, I think we'll continue to see not just injustice in our country, but also around the world. We don't believe anybody when they say they're victims of assault, which is how we end up being attacked by these terrorists all the time. Like we just we don't believe people when we say that we do things that are not just or that injustice has happened to them. And so we gotta go back and take a look at our hearts and figure out what's going on. Why is it in the midst of evidence and pain and wounds and blood and tears that all of a sudden we're like, nope, I want to be just like the colonizers and just desensitize myself and say, nah, it's not that bad. Y'all are making this stuff up. Everything is fine. We gotta work on that mess. Mm. Oh, man. Um, well, and that's one of the reasons, like I said, I wanted to I read that this morning and it and it irked me enough to be like, oh, oh, man, like, this is, Ooh, irk is not irk is not a yeah. strong of enough word. Yeah, no, no, no absolutely. Because I think and, and, and this is what gets me sometimes because you're right. I love black folk. I love black men. I love black women. Here's the thing, though. I feel like sometimes we get caught up in a lot of that colonized mindset when it comes, you know, to right. faith and, you know, yeah. healing. I saw somebody the other day on somebody, one of my friends, uh, uh, Facebook walls, he was, uh, talking about how folks needed therapy and this and this and that, you know, like a positive thing, like, you know, go and deal with your depression. And then automatically underneath it was just like, well, you know, God can cast them that demonic spirit out of, Ooh, of, of <laughs> depression. And, you know, and it's like, if he can cast the devils out of people, he can cast them. I mean, it was like this whole long <laughs> ass, just <laughs> comments. Cast Cast it out with some Zoloft. Right, 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 right. How, child, child. Uh, uh. Go Jesus. show yourself to the priest. You better get you some value and go to sleep at night. Look, some medicinal. Look. And look. Herbs, spices. I'm sorry. No, no, man. That's and that's and so well. And so one of the things then that you know this this also came up. This is you know somebody said you know you telling me the Chicago police can find enough to arrest just Jesse, but R. Kelly's still free. Three tapes and a documentary later. Oh, okay. So unfortunately, and I I love us. I love black people. I'm black and I'm proud. I say that every. Every day when I wake up in the morning because we live in a world that will definitely try to steal your heritage and try to steal the fact that you are black and proud of being black. So I say that every day. I love us. But we have a tendency to conflate issues when it, when large issues happen. Our community, because of our history, right, we will put two issues that have nothing to do with mm -hmm. each other together and we'll 
compare and see and see if A plus B equals C for that one. Well, why can't A plus B equal C? And it's like that's not that's not how this that's goes. Not what this is that's, that's right. not what this is. That R. Kelly, R. Kelly is someone in the community, like you said, we have known, that's already been said, we have known that R. Kelly was a predator, a sexual predator. But the powers that be within the music industry, within the yeah. city government, have kept him out of prison. His lawyers, they have made sure he stayed out of because he was making a lot of people money. Yeah. And let's be clear, he probably was involved in some child sex trafficking where he was supplying yeah. other people of, in yeah. power with young girls as well, which is why it's probably taken him so long to go down. So, yes, that that is a whole different conversation. But in this particular instance, and I'm glad you brought the CPD up because I want to make this clear as well, because people have been saying if you had any type of nudge like mm, I don't feel like that's completely right I don't know if Jesse is completely being honest uh, apparently according to Twitter activists and organizers and social media uh, activists you now believe the CPD I don't believe the CPD for shit I've never <laughs> trusted the police okay I was five years old the first time my, I got pulled over with my daddy in the car and they thought he was trafficking me because they didn't believe Black men could be fathers, wow. right? Wow. So I've never trusted the police. I've been pulled over by myself, asked to step out of cars as a woman. So don't conflate me believing, me saying something's wrong with Jesse's story with believing the police. Yeah. Yeah. In this particular instance, because he is a high-profile celebrity and was now on one of the biggest primetime shows that has a predominantly black cast and is so noticeable... He, his situation is going to be expedited and dealt with a lot differently than another person who is LGBTQ, who is black, reporting a hate crime. It's going to happen faster just because of who he is. So that is why we are getting a fire hydrant of information, like a just took, ripped the cap off the fire hydrant and it's just coming at us full force with all of this information, all these articles, all these reports on the police. That is why, because of who he is. So it's not, and we're getting a, a more facts than, I mean, this, this story, honestly, more facts have come out about Jesse's story than I remember in, what was that, 2012 when Trayvon Martin was killed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. taken shorter amount of time, even going back when Gina Six happened, it's mm -hmm. taken a shorter amount of time for Jesse's situation to get put out and all the facts to come out for Jesse than other black people, black men who have been uh, victims of hate crimes or been killed because of racism. Yeah. So let's not do the, y'all believe the police, y'all side with the CPD. Let's not play that game and let's not start asking a bunch of stupid questions because if you really knew criminal justice, if you really knew the law, if you really knew how to research instead of being emotional about this one particular particular issue, you would know that things are going to happen a lot faster because of who this man is. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I agree with you as always. Dom is brilliant. She saved, and I just I'm here for moral support. So I'm just gonna host. <laughs> I am really not that smart. I'm just trying my best and trying Hush. to get upset. I am affirming you. <laughs> thank you. Colored thank woman you. of God. Colored woman of God. I'm affirming you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's the history of what's happening. There's a deficit. There's just there's there is there's a hole I think in the heart of the black community when it comes to just trusting the United States from. Um, it, this marks 400 years that we have been in this country, 
and the scales are tipped not in the favor of believing and trusting the systems of the United States of America um, in every single possible way for us to be exploited economically, socially, politically, um, culturally, structurally, all the leads, every category you can think of, it has happened and then some and we are still discovering it. And so I think because there's that history, um, there's the United States does not have enough cultural capital to say, trust us. It's that uh, James Baldwin <laughs> documentary, right? Like they they went through like all of the presidents, all the, the political officials from Trump to Hillary Clinton, to Bill, to Ronald Reagan, to George H.W. But everybody's just like, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm absolutely sorry. And it's a uh, old dude. His name escapes me. Uh, um, Santa Biblia, the Bible through Hispanic eyes, right? It's it's, it's Genesis 22. We're the ones who get killed on the mountain. And white people, in this case, who are Abraham and Isaac, they come back down the mountain having had this amazing experience with God. And they're like, now I'm wiser and now I'm better. But that wisdom has cost them a black body. That wisdom has cost black blood or the blood of the margins. And so that's what it's like to be in the United States, right? We die, we are killed on a regular basis. And then either people ignore that, they dismiss it, or um, uh, that blood is shed, and then someone white says, oh, I had no idea, now I've learned, or I've become more aware of these things. And that's the context that we come from. So I think that sucks. That's just what it means to be a person of color in America. I do, I agree with Dom completely, though. There's something about black people's inability to, and it's not just us, it's just what's happening in the country right now. There is this, when you look at the basics of what does it mean to be able to have a legit coherent thought process to arrive at a conclusion or even to be able to present a reasoned argument or a reasonable argument such that you can present your case and then woo a jury or an environment, whatever the case may be. One thing you don't want to do is like, it's called, my dad was a criminal attorney, it's called reducing it to ad hominem, where you attack a person's character rather than sticking to the facts of the case. And for black people, especially those of us who've been wounded by the margins, we don't know how to be able to say, stick to Jesse right now. What did this brother do? What is Chicago doing? What are the facts of the case? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this? That's how Trump and them are able to stay in office for so long, because he always, it's a master of distraction. And if you broaden it out to like, well, what about R. Kelly? Well, what about Bill Cosby? Well, what about this? And what about those things? You water down the argument for so long, we forget what the heck we're talking about and why we're having a discussion to begin with. We're talking about this high yellow skinny boy that works on Empire, is about to not work on Empire anymore, and whether or not he got assaulted and the consequences of that. Let's stick there and let's take this thing one step at a time. But when you brought it out, I think in that capacity, it just it dilutes the argument. It um it dismisses, I think, the facts of the case, it diminishes what's actually going on too, and it just it convolutes the whole thing. The other thing I'd say too, um, and it's piggybacking off of Dom again a little bit. I think the other part about the details of this fact, this case, is that Jesse didn't just like lie to the police if he, it comes out that he did lie. He didn't just file a false police report. He got interviewed by Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. Come on. Like, Tell he, it, Sean. He put a megaphone in front of himself. This nigga put a magnifying glass. You don't, you don't go on Good Morning America with Mama Robin and say you were the victim of assault. Because Robin will come for you. Like, she has the complete spirit of a good black woman. Like, she will come for you for real, for real. So, I think he he put the megaphone in front of himself. He put the magnifying glass on himself. And so, if it comes out, which is what it's looking like, that this is not true at all, these manufactured these things, he will suffer the consequences for those. Uh, he expedited this process. I think Kelly flew under the radar. 
Cosby flew under the radar. A lot of these cats did. And there were women who were saying, believe me, believe me, believe me. But we did. And they were covered. They were protected. Jesse put himself out there. He went on the interviews. He went in front of the cameras. He's the one that wrote those statements. And so because of that, uh, if, it's, if it is true that he's lying, um, he's suffering the consequences for his actions. Man. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There's so much stuff here. Um, I'm wondering... All right, let's see. Let's see, let's see. Um, because there's a lot of, of the other vicious memes coming out. And I mean, I think particularly as it pertains to, you know, Jesse being gay. And I think one of the things I have, the struggles I have, uh, particularly in the black community, is how particularly, especially uh, religious folks in the black community, how they engage or the lack of engagement um, with LGBTQ plus communities. And I am always kind of blown away. Like we can go off on race and white supremacy and the white man this and the white man that, but the minute we get a whole lot about same sex marriage, mm 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 mm, <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm just I guess I'm trying to tease some of this out. I mean, I know we've you know we've only been at this for fifty minutes, but I, I I'm just I'm curious how y'all navigate some of these conversations around sexuality and human sexuality uh you know particularly in black black settings um and uh because i have i have found those to be uh, very 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 aggravating <laughs> to, yeah. to say yeah. the least yes. um meanwhile you know heterosexual heteronormativity is praised the pastor can go out have several women have this i mean so there's there's <laughs> At the on, same time. Right, exactly. At the same right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Dom, you wanna you wanna you wanna you wanna take some of that? You you want you 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 bring it. So I'm 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 liking I, that. So when I when I talk to my family and I'll I'll also go back and talk about my sexual identity. Um, I've known all of my life I was attracted to women. I've just known it. I've wanted to have girlfriends, explore sexually and do all those things. I knew that. But when it came to my upbringing, I grew up in a very strict Pentecostal Christian household where anything that even looked like homosexuality, mm -hmm. oh, you're going to hell. You're going to bust hell wide open. You're going to hell with gasoline draws on. These are the things I heard growing up in church. <laughs> so, right, gasoline draw, you're going, honey, you're going to bust hell wide open. Go mm -hmm. ahead, keep doing your little thing That's out right. there. And th those messages constantly from the age that I actually figured out my sexuality, which was around five, funny enough, I was attracted to my children's choir director, thought she was the most beautiful woman on the planet. But again, my church is saying, you going to go to hell. Mm. So all these years covering that up, covering that up, not, not even, you know, thinking about my sexuality, that part of my sexuality anymore, um, because I am attracted to men, men as well. And so just saying, okay, I'm just going to be with men. I'm not even going to think about women. Da, da, da. This, is the, this is the path I'm going to go on. And even becoming a youth pastor and parroting these, these homophobic things out of my mouth that I've learned growing up in church. So having to do a lot of the deconstruction work um, within myself and then, you know, telling, like, I think the most pivotal moment for me was telling my mother um, about my bisexuality. And her looking at me saying, are you think I'm going to flip the table over? You my baby regardless. Mm -hmm. That moment affirmed me, right? Hmm. So thinking about those moments that I've had with my family, those moments I've had with my friends and coming out to my friends and telling them I'm bisexual, my close friends, 
and thinking about these conversations that we have about LGBTQ discrimination, um, rights, and things of that nature, unfortunately, because my family is in this very Pentecostal, or we were all groomed in this very Pentecostal, um, or, or Pentecostal homogenous, I can't think of a word right now, but community, that's it, community. Yeah. Um, I have to humanize it by saying, what if it was me? Yeah. So that's the only thing I can come to them with, unfortunately. What if it was me? What if someone attacked me because they seen me walking down the street holding hands with a girl? What if somebody threw bleach on me, just using uh, um, elements from Jesse's narrative from what he yeah. said happened? What if someone threw bleach on me because they saw me kiss another woman? What if someone put a noose around my neck because they said, you know, it's a sin to be gay and you're going to go to hell and you're black anyway. You might as well die, nigger. What if those things happened to me? And then my family having to say, what if it did happen to Dom? So that is the way I've been able to start the conversation. And also pointing out, like, and I've tweeted this all throughout, or not all, but majority of, of 2018, I've tweeted these articles. 2018 was the most dangerous and violent year for transgender people yeah. in, in, in the U.S. So not only was it the most dangerous, 86% of those of killings between 2013 and 2017, I believe that's what the years are. I'm going to let you read the article. I'll send you the article. Um, between 2013 and 2017, there was 102 trans people killed. 86% of them were black. So it's not only humanizing, but saying we are all made in the image of God. And whether you agree or not, based on my sexuality, who I'm dating, who I'm sleeping with, what I identify as is an agenda. If I am made in the image of God, you do not have the right to take God's image off the face of this earth. No one has given you, you don't have a God-given right to kill me or assault me because you don't agree with my preference. Or you don't, not my preference, but you don't agree with my quote-unquote lifestyle, which is what most Christians say. I don't agree with the lifestyle. I love the sin or hate the sin. But that does not give you a right to kill me. And that does not give you a right to be silent while I perish. And that is what has happened with the church. We can, you know, get behind race issues, black issues when it comes to race. But when it comes to the community and, and, and being a person within the community, being a lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, queer, questioning, whatever you are in the community, your life, the church basically tells you your life doesn't matter. Yeah. And like Sean mentioned earlier, it's a pendulum in the black church. You're either yeah. really, really welcome or nobody cares about you. And even in those really, really welcome spaces, in my uh, um, experience, they're welcoming until you want to do something in the church. Until you want a position, you're good. You can come every Sunday. Don't say you want to sing. Don't say you want to preach. Don't say you want to play a tambourine. Because we will not have you unless you keep your life covered. Yeah. Unless you lie to us every Sunday. And we're supposed to be the community that empowers you to walk back into the world and continue to do what Jesus taught us to do, which is to feed the homeless, uh, feed the hungry, clothe the needy, to do what Jesus told us to do and be the salt and light of the earth. I can't even receive affirmation in my community because they don't think I matter because who I love or because yeah. of who I'm attracted to. And I don't know if I can continue. I can do it with my family because it's my family. But I don't know if I can keep being, <laughs> unfortunately, that, like, and I'll use that metaphor you use, Sean, being that ram 
in the bush yeah, yeah. for the black church Mm-mm. so they can kill me and then come out on the other side. Look, we got a new revelation from God. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. can accept LGBTQ folk. I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. I'm already that person for white people. Why got to be that person for my own community? Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. yeah. Sean, what you think, uh-huh. man? Bring us home. Uh-huh. Well, how come I always got to follow Dom, man? Let me go first. She be landing the plane, and then I crash it. So, <laughs> no, you said that. You... And then I, I take off, and then I just, like, crash it real hard. So, Don't do uh, that, Sean. Don't do that, <laughs> I need to go first. I clearly am the weak link on this tripod today. Uh, no, you are so, not. No, you, say, you uh, ain't, man. You Sean, ain't. you bringing the phone. Come on, Sean. I'm messing with y'all. I'm messing with y'all. Let me say um, a couple of things. And, you know, I love you both, so I'm going to be very honest um, about something. Hopefully, it'll make sense. So, I think for me... Um, so in terms of like sexuality and all of this stuff, like it's it's become heightened for me in the last five to six years. Obviously, I think with same-sex marriage becoming legal in the country and the ramifications of that, I think I I grew up in the black church, um, and so you know, most of the choir directors at most of the black churches you go to are gay, uh, and it's not spoken, it's not said or acknowledged. They have friends that they always bring to church functions, but that was it. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, I got discipled through InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I was on staff with InterVarsity for 12 years. And most folks know InterVarsity is on the news not too long ago about um, producing a 20-page paper on biblical sexuality. And I referenced that not to throw them under the bus on this podcast, but to speak to the reality of it and how it's affected me. Uh, that's the primary reason why I'm not on staff anymore. Um, InterVarsity is the leading collegiate evangelical parachurch ministry in the country. They got more than anybody else. Uh, we didn't have a clear definition on multi-ethnicity in the organization. We have staff of color that are underfunded, and some of them are on food stamps. Uh, we had men who left the institution uh, because they couldn't have a female supervisor. And so we've got all that going on. Uh, and those are issues that are still ongoing that they're working on. But for whatever reasons, InterVarsity's leadership decided because same-sex marriage was legal in the country and, and I mean, there were some other things before that, but I think the the same-sex marriage becoming legal in the country, they felt that what they needed to do was produce this 20-page paper that says, you know, uh, sexuality is biblically is between a man and a woman, and that if you are in a practicing um, uh, homosexual relationship, you have six, or if you're affirming of that type of behavior, you have six months, and then you have to leave staff. And, I mean, it just sends shockwaves throughout the institution. Um, and for me, my issue was, um, like you, you can't mandate that. Like you can't kick people out because InterVarsity used to always pride itself about being the organization that always was willing to have the conversation. And that was the first time I'd ever seen them say, we're not having a discussion about this. And so now they've had to have a conversation about it because the blowback from it has been intense. Uh, but that thing for me was the catalyst for why I wasn't on staff anymore. I'm like black people are hurting, Latino people are hurting, women are hurting in the institution and y'all are going after the LGBTQ community um, like ethically, like I can't stand for that. And so that was that for me, uh, which was about two and a half, three years ago was the beginning of like, all right, Sean, figure out what in the world is going on. I just have PTSD and I'm codependent. It's a whole other conversation, but I'm in this room and there are people from the whole spectrum, the LGBTQ, uh, IA community. And they're all in there. And that was the first time I was in intimate, close proximity to someone who identified as either lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. I had seen them before. We had had conversations before. Uh, you know, I'd read tweets from them before. I'd read books from them before. But now this is somebody now that I'm looking at face to face. We hold hands and say a prayer together at the end of the meeting. And I'm sitting there and the like 
with the exception of maybe one person, of the hundreds of people that I talked to from this community, there was not a single person, maybe with the exception of one or two, that did not have wounds from the church. Every mm. the last one of them has wounds from the church. Wow. Deep wounds from the church. I mean, like, kicked out. I mean, like, dragging and screaming. I mean, like, shunned. I mean, like, pastors don't talk to them anymore. Parents have ostracized them. Siblings have ostracized them. And they are sitting, I mean, grown men, grown women, like snot, tears, like shaking, distraught. And I'm looking at these people and I said, this, this cannot be the church. This cannot be the gospel. I get it. Jesus says, I've come to bring not peace, but a sword. But you look at the level of visceral wounds that have come from this community, that have come from the church to this community. And I am, I am convinced that if Jesus was walking the earth in 2019, he would be in an LGBTQ uh, plus community. He would be at the margins with all these different ethnicities Amen. in this group, yeah. I think, trying to minister to them and serve them. And I think that's the part that's utterly appalling. That's what's broken my heart. I look at the pain that's come out of that community from the church, the wounds that have happened there. Um, and, you know, I get in trouble for it all the time. I don't think sexuality is necessary for salvation. Uh, you can give me Paul. You can give me Carl Bart. You can pick your favorite theologian. I don't particularly care. I'm thinking about that thief on the cross, and he's like, remember me when you enter into your kingdom, and Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't take him down. He didn't dunk him. He didn't ask him to speak in tongues. He didn't ask him who he liked or who he loved or what he believed. That brother just said, I believe in Jesus. And the Lord said, uh, this afternoon, brother, we're going to have a fish fry in heaven, and you're invited. And so I think, what does it mean for us to be able to love people? We've forgotten that. I think the black church, in the midst of having endured so much pain uh, and being birthed in a country that did not love them, has forgotten what it means to love their brothers and sisters and to love all of their children. And I think it is the defining litmus test for us, for our generation. Um, if we do not learn how to love each other, it will compromise our witness for this and generations to come. Man. Wow, y'all. Um, thank you guys so much. This was an amazing conversation. I wish we could go on. I know everybody got stuff to do, but thank you both for taking the time out to 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 unpack some of this stuff. This was this was amazing. Thank you for having us. Appreciate thank you, you Dan, man. Yeah, that's great, man. Thank you so much, dude. Any last words in terms of where people can find y'all so they can bring you out, you know, get you that honorarium, book deals, sign man, up? please. <laughs> <laughs> don't nobody, look, I'm, okay, I won't say that. I won't put that in the atmosphere. I won't speak in the universe. Come but I'm going to say, don't nobody want my loud, black, LGBTQ behind talking about y'all wrong and y'all y'all really wrong and hell is actually made for y'all and not us. So, <laughs> I take it. But, I, I take frontier it. Looking for people, the Fortress and Frontier Press looking for people right now. Well, well, if y'all want to put, if y'all want to help me out, definitely. But um, all jokes aside, people can find me at uh, on Twitter at Dom Devereaux. Um, my name right now is Young Ma because I just graduated from Fuller. Hey. Um. So have my degree, but it's Dom Devereaux, and on Facebook it's just Dominique Robinson Coleman. Right on, Sean. Uh, uh, I'm on Twitter. Sean is fearless. Spelled the correct way. S E A N. Sean is fearless. And then uh, that's what my mama says. So, uh, <laughs> the correct way. The correct way. Uh, and then on Facebook, just Sean Michael Watkins. So yeah, love to keep the conversation going. Perfect. Definitely. Perfect. Perfect. And for those listening, again, as always, I'll put these in the show notes. And again, thank you to beautiful people for coming on. And we're going to continue to have these conversations. Appreciate y'all, fam. Love y'all. Love you too. <laughs>
you. Let me get a minute of your time real quick. Y'all looking for a great speaker? You looking for somebody to work out issues with faith and race and intersectionality? Well, why don't you come check me out? Whitehodge.com. You can come check me out, get an inquiry, see some of the work that I've done. But here's the other part of it. I have a wife who is amazing as well. She's white. She is woke. (laughs) Right, as as the young people say, and we can come as a couple to consult, to talk, to help work out some of the kinks, particularly in faith-based settings, um, who are trying to move forward uh, in this milieu of interculturality that doesn't always seem to make sense. Now, don't get it twisted. Think of us as a hundred-proof, single-barrel aged whiskey. Uh, We'll go. We bring it. But if you're interested and you want to talk more, come to whitehodge.com, fill out the little form there on contact, send us an email, and we'd love to talk with you about that. I've also published a lot of books around race, faith, hip hop, gender. Check those out as well. Yeah. Fair pricing. We'll work with you uh, and your organization, but check us out, whitehodge.com. Thanks. I look forward to talking with you and seeing you.